This episode of the Understable Podcast is brought to you by Boom Disc Golf and Anchor.fm. Boom Disc Golf, the place to get your disc golf hats and clothing. Check out their Facebook page, Boom Clothing, B-O-O-O-M. Boom Clothing, go get yourself a Boom hat, best hats in the market. Alright, we are back. Episode 7 of the Understable Podcast. Um, this week it's just me and Roy again, just kind of talking about local stuff. Um, but first and foremost, um, I want to give a heartfelt condolences to the Wysocki family with Ricky and the loss of his sister. So Ricky, I, I doubt you listen to this, but if you do, uh, our condolences to you and your family. Yeah, it was crazy to see you know all that happen. And he still went out and shot, you know, the hot round of the tournament for the most part, except of course record. So, you know, that's it's pretty impressive. So, anything exciting happen this weekend for you? No, not disc golf related. Um, I've been at a baseball tournament uh, all day today. Um, my son Ty plays 13U baseball here, select. So we travel, but luckily it was at home. Um, we were out in Indianapolis last weekend. Played the number eight team in the country for 13-year-olds. And they play a completely different game than what we play. So, <laughs> like, it was – those kids are – those kids all had pimples all over their face at 13 and were all, like, six foot and above. And it was it was not good for our kids. But it was good to see. Uh, this weekend we're, we're here in Dayton playing in a tournament, so it's kind of nice. We don't have to travel. But went one-on-one. One, uh, just lost tonight, so – didn't get any disc golf in to last. Uh, actually, I did. I played disc golf out in Indianapolis. Oh, cool. I forgot about that. So, uh, my son's games were Friday at 8, Saturday at 6. So, there's there was 236 teams in this tournament um, between the age groups, but there was 32 teams in my son's age bracket in his division. There were 60 total for 13U, but okay. we play open in kind of the upper age, uh, and there was 32 teams. So, like, we played Friday at 8, Saturday at 6. So, I got on Facebook and got on the Disc Golf, you know, Indianapolis page and said, hey, is there any leagues or anything going on? There was uh, random doubles at a place called Washington Park. Um, so I showed up and got to got to play with some guys I don't know. Great, It's a great little park. Um, some tough shots, some good shots. Um, we didn't, I didn't win, but uh, I played really well. Uh, but it was fun, you know, to go out and play, and everybody's so welcoming out there, just like everywhere you go. So um, that was pretty awesome to go see a new course and play in a league and donate ten dollars to whoever it was that won. But, I know that feeling. Yeah. So yeah. So no. And then this weekend, I'm pretty much baseball all weekend. So cool. kind of out. So last weekend uh, was the National Amateur Disc Golf Tour yep. here at Caesars Ford Park. Um, last episode was you and me. We discussed, you know, each hole, tried to game plan a little bit through it. Um, I executed, actually, most of my game plan. I, I played par golf for the most part. Um, I had a few bad shots, but that happens. You know, every every round, you always, you know, you're going to have bad shots. It's just part of the game. But I was able to shoot four over par on the first round. And then the second round, I was even par going into hole 13. You're throwing out of the woods out in the open field, and it's, what, about 850 feet or so from the tee pad. 
Um, it's easily a two, two full drives, none of your upshot. Um, but round two, they moved the OB line up about five or six feet off the water, water line. So it was only five feet behind the basket. What hole was that? 13. So I had a, I, I was sitting there for a par putt, and I'm maybe 20 feet out. I'm like, it's a risk versus reward. Do I want to run the par and risk missing and taking a seven, or do I want to just play smart, lay up under the basket, and take a you know take a bogey and move on? Um, so that's actually the choice I made. I probably could have made the putt because I was feeling real good. My putts were, on, were pretty much on all, all event, but uh, decided to lay up, play a safe shot, and not risk the seven. Um, well, we can get into hole by hole if you want. That's fine. Yeah, let's do it. Let's break it down. So round one, hole one. Um, so wait, let's say let's. What's how, what what time was your tee off? First round, I teed off at ten fifty. So what time did you get to? Uh, about ten. Fair enough. So what did you do to warm up? Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to go to warm up much because I got there and ran to the bathroom. Like I had to go. <laughs> so I'm like, well, there goes my warm up time. But hey, whatever. Okay. Um, so I, I went into the round kind of cold. I, I tried to stretch a little bit before I teed off. Um, I was first on the box through, I think it was my F2 off the tee pad. And threw a great shot. Ended up taking par on that hole. So hole one, I sat through my F2. Um, close enough to get it to save the par. And it wasn't really a save. It was, I just, I missed the birdie putt. It was right. Didn't get in my head. Just kind of take the par and go go next hole, right? Hole two. I did what I was talking about. Threw my H five backhand. Come out straight. Had a little bit of a fade to the right, and then finished left. Ended up with a par on that hole. Good start so far. Hole three. Par. Hole four. It's not a long hole, but it's quite an uphill hole. Um, the well, the second shot's uphill. Yeah. Hole four, the first shot. Is the first shot's kind of a straight hyzer, but you want to be first in shot, position. First shot, you're playing a placement shot, right, yeah. just to get up the hill. So I threw a forehand D1, and it flexed out of my hand and ended up on the path as, right before it turns to go up the hill. Threw my PA4 from there on a, on a little bit of a turnover, or a slight turn shot, ended up behind the basket, took a three. I was like, that's awesome. I've never, I've never birdied this hole. I was happy. Uh, so I'm one down after four. I'm like, this is good. I'm feeling really good right now. You know, I'm, I'm pumped up. I got my headphones in. I'm just in my own zone. Um, hole five, I took a three on that, which is par. Hole six, I parred that, which that's another one out in, out in the open. Um, kind of goes uphill, then downhill. But there's also a lot of wind at that hole usually. Hole seven is uphill, short. You'd think it's an easy part, an easy birdie hole, but it's not. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the way. Shank my drive, ended up with a bogey on that hole. So I'm back to Eve, and I'm like, all right, you know, keep the mental game going, push forward, go on to the next hole. Um, hole eight, 827 foot shot, or hole. I mean, it's a par five. Um, you're going two drives just to get to the couple rows of trees just to get through them so first shot ends up left second shot 
I threw, I ended up to the right side of the fairway, kind of where you don't want to be at, but I was still in the fairway. And then from there, I took my D1 out and threw that forehand through the gap and landed for a great shot to have an easy tap in par. Um, took my PA1 out, and I tend to throw a stall shot where I throw it, I'll throw it low, nose up, and it'll it'll almost go the exact distance I need it to and it just stalls out and, and fades. Well, I threw it too flat, and it hit the grass and slid into the water behind the basket, so I ended up taking an o- first OB stroke there, ended up taking a six. And what was that again? That's hole eight. Okay. Because they had, they had the basket, I think, in B placement, which is off to the right, right by the water bank there. Um, it was just a bad shot. Um, whatever, move on from that, go on to hole nine. You know, finish out the front nine at, you know, fairly decent. Um, hole nine is, would, would you say it's uphill from the tee pad? For the most part, you're throwing uphill. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Bad drive, bad up shot, or bad second shot. I'm, it was off to the right, right, in front of the pavilion? Uh, it was just straight up the hill. Yeah. Um, so so there's throw, a... What did you throw off the tee? I think I threw my F5 and I just had a bad bad throw. Is that understable? Should be. For me, they come out relatively flat and just go. Um, again, I don't have the, I don't have the snap to get a lot of turn on my discs. No, Something I think... Something I'm working on. No, I think for that one, though, I just throw a hyzer. Because it's up to the right, right? Like, from the tee pad, it's pretty straight. The basket's just straight up from the tee pad. In but the you have the group of trees. trees. Well, it's, yeah, it's right just, across the road. Yeah, I just throw a hyzer up through there. I was just trying to stay on that right side and just right. figure out the trees. I was trying to throw, actually, a turnover shot to end up on the right side to have yeah. an open look at the basket up there. Yeah. Second shot, um, as soon as I threw it, I lost footing. So I just had a terrible second shot. Third shot, there's a road that goes right through the hole. And they had the pavement as OB because it's all paved now. It's real nice. If you were on the gravel, you're safe. Fortunate on my third shot to be over the road on the gravel. Again, took out my PA1 and focused a little more on nose angle for my shot. And uh, had a beautiful hydro stall throw in to save the par. I'm like, this is great, man. Now, now I'm pumped. You know, I'm, I'm, what, one over par for front nine? Should have been better than that, but I was one over par. Happy about it. Come around to the back nine, and this is where Caesars Ford kind of gets tough for the rec player. Mostly open holes, mostly longer distances. The wind's a factor in all these holes in the back. So just to make it kind of quick summary, I went par from hole nine to hole 15. Um, Hole 12... I love hole 12. It's a very tight shot from the white tee. It's probably the harder shot from the white tee, I would say. Um, Stepped up to the tee pad. There's a crick right in front of you. you got to throw over, and then there's just foliage. Like, you have to hit a tight line. I threw a forehand with the H2, overstable, basically a a firebird fell in, kind of one of those stability-wise discs. Threw a forehand through the skinny gap on the right side of the tree from off the tee pad. A little flex shot, a little bit too high, hit a branch, and I just played smart and took a par instead of a birdie. Oh, round one, hole 13, I parred. I was real happy getting a par because didn't have the best best shots on that hole, but it worked out. Um, 16, bogey, 
Uh, that one was in... Was it a par 5 or a par, par 4? It's a par 4. It was in B position, so that one you're just trying to throw to get to the gap to have a line through. And Where's B at? Is that in the trees? It's not the long one. It's... I want to say it's, it's got the trees in front of it, like uh, the front edge of it. Yep. Um, so it's not an easy shot by any means. It's not an easy hole at all. If they push it back to the long, they make it a par five. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, for Wright Brothers it was. Okay. Par five. Um, so I'll take a five on that. Just That hole just kind of got me. 16 and 18, are, I think, are probably the toughest holes on the course. Yeah. Technically wise. Or technical wise. Agree with that. Um, hole 17, it took a par. 17 is about a 280-foot drive to a, tree, a couple rows of trees that you got to throw through. And the cool thing about 17's uh, green is it's fenced off like a horse um, like a horse pasture, I guess you can call it, with, with you know the fence that they have around it. Well, I think that's what it was. Yeah, and it's on an elevated basket. Yeah. I threw my H5, and it flexed out of my hand, finished left. I took uh, either my F1 or my F2 for my second shot. Threw a forehand. Or no, I took my F5. And I actually threw a turnover shot. Through, I made it through the gap clean. Ended up uh, just outside the fence. Right right back corner as you're looking at the green. On your second shot? Yep. Kind of bummed, but it worked out. I was able to play a placement shot and take a par. Um, Four's a good score then. Yeah, I'm not upset at all with that. It's, like I said, I'm, I'm very happy with how I played, even both rounds. Even put, finishing plus six round two, I'm still happy with the overall tournament. Um, 18, if you guys, my goodness, 18 is just brutal. If you don't have a clean tee shot, you're scrambling the whole time just to get out of the out of the trees, which is what happened. <laughs> Took a six on hole 18. It was just bad shot after bad shot. Where was the basket? Up on the hill. Not it wasn't a cross road. It was the short side of the road. Pretty close to the road, though. Yeah. Was the road OB? Yes, it was. So inside the circle was OB. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that. I think it's done. Yeah, I can agree to that. But. Yeah, I think if you throw a great shot to five feet, but you're inside the circle, like you're five feet from the basket and you're OB on that hole, that's not good. No, no, I I agree with you. Yeah, that's terrible. It could. It, I mean. Don't get me wrong, Green County Parks and, and Dayton Disco done a great job with that course, putting it in and the course design overall. No, I mean, no, I mean, the course is beautiful and that road's there for a reason, but I think the basket, anytime you're, if you're within five feet and you're out of bounds, it's a problem. Right. They could probably move that basket, just put it at the bottom of the hill there, right at the bottom of the hill and you'd be okay. Or just make that road casual and that, like, it's not fair to throw a gray shot. Because you can throw, I mean, you can't pinpoint this, like. No, you can't back up this. It ain't like real golf where you can you can hit a shot five feet and you can back it up. Like, you know what I mean? That's like that's like having a a, a pin placement on a golf green. It's right five feet from the water. Well, that's not. I mean, you have to have some. I mean, you can be as accurate as you want, but the circle's there inside of thirty feet. You're throwing a good shot. You know, if you're inside the circle, if you're mm-hmm. five feet off and you're OB, that's not. That's well, it's not like cool. sawgrass hole seventeen. It's island green, but you have, you know, a 30 or 40 foot green. It's bigger, it's bigger than that. It's like well, 60 or 70 feet. Uh, yeah, you have, but you you have room. You have yeah. room to where if you make a bad shot and end up on the green, you're still safe. Yeah, there's so so in golf, there's no, like, they have to, you have to be eight paces on. Like, there's no pin that's ever eight paces uh, off the f- f- green. Does that make sense? So, yeah. you're looking at, like, eight yards 
on any hole in golf, you have eight yards of green to work with. Right. You know, so that's my only gripe about that. That's that's a. It's already hard it's, enough. It's a hole. fair point. It is. It's already a hard enough hole to get off the tee. It is. To let alone have a, a, a basket that's five feet off an OB. Well, I think what got me was I was going to walk up and throw my M2, just throw a safe mid range, just get a look to get out. And I think I ended up switching to trying to throw a forehand flex because I saw a line that I'm like, you know, risk versus reward. I'm like, I see a line, I think I can hit it, I want to throw it. And I threw my line and hit a tree. <laughs> then my next shot, I hit a tree. It yeah. happens. Um, so that was round one. I felt really good. You know, I was driving home and I was just kind of in my head thinking about so what are you? So what are you after round one? Round one, I'm plus four. And I think you, that was like an 850, right? Yep, uh, 850, 852, something around there. Which is like almost 40 points above your rate. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, I was, I was real happy about it. Like I said, I was thinking about my shots, replaying some of the holes. Um, more so, what can I do different next time? You know, what, what can I adjust on round two to play a better shot? Or to play safer? Maybe not, not be as aggressive. Because um, that tee shot in the whole 18, I was, I was going for it. I was trying to get out into the open, or at least close to where I could have a shot out into the field. Instead of playing a safe shot and just get down there. Um, so I thought of my shots. Tee times were posted later that night. I teed off at 10 on Sunday. Um, I went into round two tied for 28th out of 67. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm top, I'm top 50%. You know, it's not great, but um, nothing to be proud of, really, if you look at it. But I, I was real proud of how I played consistently overall the whole round. Um, and the leader only shot negative three. Yeah, leader for rec was three down, which it's still a good round. Well, there's a lot a of wind. round for rec, to be honest. Well, there's a lot of wind. Yeah. You know what I mean? If somebody's on even a rag, I mean, three or four under. So, that's, that's pretty good. So, round two, tee time's at 10. I got there right around 9 and actually had time to do some putting practice and throw a couple of the campground holes um, just to warm up. I'm last on the box. Um, so, my driving hole one, again, we're playing the white tee pads again. I go to throw my F5. Now, were the pins the same? Yep, all the pins were the same locations. They didn't change anything. Um, threw my F5 off the tee pad, thinking I'm going to flex it out a little bit and just have it come in right side of the basket. No, I grip locked the crap out of it, and I hit the first tree, didn't even cross the road. <laughs> Ended up with a double bogey. And you know from rounds in the past where I do something like that, I just I get in my head and it's like, it's game over. Um I was already upset because my headphones weren't working right, so I'm going in distracted. Like they kept cutting out every three to five seconds of, of music play. I'm like, this is more distracting than just not having them in. So I didn't have my headphones all day. I'm real upset. Took a took a five on hole one. It's 204 foot par three, easy shot. Um, but I was able to bounce back hole two. Did the exact same game plan. Executed. Took a par. Um, hole three, I took a three on it. Actually, almost parked the hole on my drive. I threw... This is so, short, short, right? Uh, I believe so. 
it doesn't give me pin positions on here. I believe it was the short. It was just inside the yeah the tree line there. So I threw skinny gap, you know, the tree to the right side of the tee pad. I threw a forehand flex with my X3 to the right side of that tree and just flex down and come back. And I was probably 50 or 60 from the basket. Nice. Laid up for, or no, I, I think I ran it, but I ended up five feet behind the basket, hit a tree and just stopped right on the hillside. Took my three. Great. I'm, I'm one up now. Let's keep it going. Again, same shot type on hole four. I actually ended up in the bowl, and I was able to throw up, get behind the basket, and, and tap in for three. So the basket was just above the bowl? Yep. Yeah, that's a tough spot. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be putting at the bowl if you can avoid it. I mean, that's really the safer spot to land or risk the roll away, but you don't want to be trying to run a putt from there if you're more than you know, 10, 15 feet out. Um, five, six, and seven. I took pars on. Five is a par three. Six is a par four. Three, seven is a par three. Hole eight. I forget what happened on hole eight this time, but I took a six again on it. The long hole. It, it's a long hole. I think I had a, a bad shot in the field. I was just short. Uh, but my a, a th- third shot or. F- I forget if it's my third or fourth shot. Either way, I threw the same shot through the trees, the forehand flex with a D1. Um, just kind of flicked it out of my hand and let it do its thing. Got through almost in the exact same spot as the previous round. Threw my PA1 for my par shot to save par on the stall shot. And I executed my shot like I wanted to, only I hit the basket. Just a little bit low. Tapped in for a six. That's fine. You know, I come out. I'm come out plus one again after nine. Can't complain. Played good. Um, so a whole nine I took a four on. So that's already you know, yeah, same as I did first round. Um, Ten and eleven. I parred both of those. Eleven was up on the hill to the left. Um, and and what kills me on these open holes, I just don't have the distance. I'm not getting the snap to get, you know, three twenty, three thirty consistently. So that's that's my biggest downfall right now for off the tee pad and be able to get down there when other guys are, are driving, you know, 350-400 on wreck and I'm driving 280 at most. Um, yeah. it, that comes down to, you know, field work and not just not having time to get out and practice like I want to. Um, hole 12, same pin position, same tee box, threw the same shot, only lower because the first time I hit a, a high twig and it just sh- shut me down right to the ground. Um, same exact shot I threw the right side of that skinny tree on a forehand flex at H2. Goes out, flexes, fades back, hits the ground, skips. I'm 20 feet from the basket behind it. I'm, I'm deep. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. Smash the birdie. And then, okay, great. I'm feeling you know really good. I'm, I'm at par golf at this point. I'm, par, I'm at par walking up to 13 steep head with the box. Um. I changed my, my disc selection for round two because of the wind. I threw something a little bit flippier, and I probably should have done something more stable. But also with my drive, I turned it over too much out of my hand. I was trying to play a flex shot with my D3 Max, which is a little bit beefier of a rim. Um, it's a little more stable than a regular D3. At least for me it is. Um, 
but I ended up on the right side, which where I landed would have been underwater round one, but thankfully the water had gone down. What on thirteen? Yeah, there was we had some rain that week. What and water? There was a lot of standing water. On like your third shot? No, off my drive. What water? There was a lot of standing water to? out there from the heavy rains that we got. Oh, you're talking about there was standing water in the fairway. Yeah. Oh, yep. okay. I was gonna um, say your drive didn't get through the creek pond. No. I wish I could drive that far. That'd be I cool. was so confused. No one can no, drive that bad. far. No, my bad. No, we had we had some rain a couple days before the tournament, and actually so it was the day before. Then? Yep, it was casual. Oh. Um, well, I wasn't underwater, but the ground was all muddy, and when I went to throw my second shot, my right foot when I planted kind of slipped. So I really shanked the crap out of that shot, which is fine, and, that, and that's where I ended up. You know, like I said, uh, putting for a five maybe 20, 30 feet out, but instead of risking the seven, I just took a six. And it was kind of downhill from there. I ended plus six for the day after, thir- from 13 on. It was, so, to 13, you took a six, which is not a bad score. Where was it, down by the creek? Um, or was it short right? It wasn't right. It was, yeah, it was down by the creek. Yeah, so six isn't terrible. Scorecard has, scorecard has an 802. Yeah, if you can't throw far, like, because even, so for me, I'm two, and I still have a big third shot into, to get down below, like, I have to yeah. throw two really big shots to have a, an upshot. I mean, it's it's a big hole, right? Like, it may say eight something, but it's it's further than that. Definitely. Especially with farther. the wind. Yeah. Plays farther. For sure it does. No, I just... Short drive, cut it to the right, and then my foot slipped for my second shot, and that just kind of set me up to play for par at best. Yeah, because it's not easy. It's not an easy third shot to get down by the creek. No, it's it's pretty guarded. And then so then fourteen, fourteen is not an easy shot. Fourteen, I golf swung my forehand, and just see, I throw a turnover there. I don't have a good enough forehand, and I don't have the good enough turnover for that. No, I, I was trying to throw. A flex shot along the tree line that's in the middle of the fairway. Yeah, that's tough. Instead of throwing it out wider. Swag. I just I changed my shot selection. I changed my disc. Trying to do, trying to be a little more aggressive, and, and I paid the price. Ended up with a four. So we're having on 14, 15, 14. 14, yeah. 15, 15. 15, okay. 15 is 285 feet, slightly downhill. It's a hard shot. It's still a tough a shot. a ton I mean, of wind up there. Yeah. Um, it's wide open, but there's a ton of wind. I was just outside circle one oh, okay. on my drive. I went to do a step putt, and I think I was, if I remember, I, I missed just a little bit hit the cage maybe. I don't remember exactly. So you made par then? I made a par. Oh, okay. Um, 16, I took a six on. And at, at this point, day two in this round, I am, I'm just tired. My arm is sore from the forehands. I see um, throw a forehand. I threw a lot of forehand. Well, just in general, I threw a lot of forehands, and my arm was starting to get sore. Really? Just not able to play enough. I'm not conditioned for for that much. So, it, it is one of those sixteen. You're playing a placement shot to hit the gap. Did you throw a forehand there too? Yep. I, I threw. Oh yeah, I threw a forehand, sawed it off. I was on the right side, I had to pitch out. So just just didn't execute. Uh, sixteen, seventeen, or eighteen. But I'm still not unhappy. My putting game was, was pretty consistent. I was hitting most of my putts inside the circle. One putt. 17, I tried to do the same game plan, and it failed. Well, I ended up well, I ended up almost the same spot on my drive. Left side with my H5 again. Um, I had a I had a decent-sized gap where all I had to do was just miss one tree 
on a four, for a forehand hyzer mm-hmm. shot, and I'm inside the defense. Hit a tree, of course. <laughs> um, go to throw my third shot, and there and in front of the fence, there's literally one tree to hit on the left side. Yeah, I'm gonna hit that tree. Cool. Oh, that's see what we're talking about. So now, now at this point, you know it's 17th hole. I'm just ready to be done for a day. I'm already just kind of wore out. Excuses or whatever you want to call it, it is what it is. Um, took a five on that hole. 18, I played a little bit smarter, got out, and I ended up in the field through my H2 for my upshot. After two holes? What? After two shots, you were in the field? Uh, No, it took me three to get out. It took me three shots to get out. I was on the gravel. Gotcha. Um, through my H2 standstill on a flex, and it hooked up a little more than I thought it would. Ended up across the road on the hill by where the power box board is, by the pavilion, or by the mm-hmm. amphitheater. So that was my four shot, that was my par shot. I'm like, great, okay, I know what to do. Grabbed a PA1 out of the basket, out of the bag. Well, actually, I had my cart with me. Um, but either way, I grabbed my PA1, and I could not have executed a more perfect shot. Um, I, I just kept reminding myself, throw it low, nose up. You know how to do this building my confidence slope for the shot and I threw it picture perfect I'm I dare say I'm about 80 to 100 feet from the basket and I threw in a perfect bogey save shot not impressive as far as score wise but the fact that I was able to finish on such a high for me was really good um ended up plus 10 dropped to I think it was 33rd overall for the car or for the division so not unhappy Played, I executed my game plan for the most part. I wanted to go in and play par golf. Um, if I could have been under par going to 13, that would have been preferred. Because I know 13 through 18 are the, are the toughest holes for me, at least. Like I said, I'm not unhappy. I had a lot of good things that happened. Consistency with putting. Consistency with um, certain shots I was throwing. So, yeah. Overall, it's a good round. A good tournament, I should say. And it's something to move forward to or, or look forward to moving forward yeah no it's good I know we talked throughout those two days I mean you shot above your rating yeah even round two I shot a 840 something round or 8 what was it 8 I don't remember um, I got it right here hold on cool you shot 850 836 okay good so you so, averaged about 840 so I shot above my rating that's good um, next weekend, I am playing in the uh, Team Hazy Shade Biop out there. That's Caesars Ford? Yep. And my partner, Andrew Fornshell, is pretty good. He shot, I think, plus one overall when I played with him out there about a month ago. So I'm hoping to do better than I did this time. I know it's doubles event versus singles, so there's a little more forgiveness. Um, Just so we're clear, Mark didn't ask me to play. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I'm not playing in that, but I'm playing in the bid next weekend down in Monroe. You okay. playing in that? No, I'm not. I'm playing Caesars Ford on Saturday. I know the bid's Sunday. Oh, it's Sunday? No, I work Sundays. It's hard for me to play tournaments on Sunday. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm playing in the bid. It's like one of the only weekends we have off for the next two months. So. Oh, that's rough. With baseball. Yeah, no, I can't really play. I won't play a lot until August, September. I'll try to get as many tournaments as I can then, but yeah, right now, soccer and baseball are kind of... I'm kind of limited. Gotcha. 
I've got yeah, so I got the Team Hazy Shade buyout coming up, and then two weeks after that is the grand opening of Echo Valley. Yeah, I'm planning that. I'm planning that. I'm planning novice in that actually. Are you? Yeah, a, a buddy of mine, Adam Cruz. I don't know if you know him or not. He runs Beaver Creek. Yeah. Um, he was number one on the wait list, and I'm like, you know what? I'll I'll jump down so he can get in. I kind of. How does that work? Because it would have been. Doesn't matter your division, does it? It just matters. It does. It, it does matter your division. So there were still open spots, but only for novice. That's uh, what I'm saying. I believe if so. If it's 120 players, 120 players. He was he was the first one. No, he was waitlist number one of anybody. So I know that I, I jumped out and wreck down to novice, which opened up a wreck spot. He registered for wreck. Gotcha. So that puts him in the tournament. So, I mean, you can call me a bagger, but, again, Echo Valley is also a tough course. It's going to be one of the better courses in South Dayton. No, I don't – I'm not – I don't say this to me. You're not a bagger. There's – I mean, go play to win. Like, you got to win. Right. Like, you're under 850. I mean, that's – Right, and, and that's – I mean, that's, you're 813 rated right now, so – That's kind of my argument, though, is I'm playing my rating, which – Well, even if it was 820 rated, you're still under right now. Right. If ratings come out, though, you might be a little bit over that. But, I mean, you'll still be under 850. I won't be over 850. That's what I mean. So. Go play novice. I'm playing in that. I do get to play in that. Me and Lucas McCammett are mm-hmm. playing the buyout on Sunday. But or, yeah, Sunday. Saturday's the singles, right? Saturday's the singles. Sunday's the doubles. Yeah. Or no. Yeah, that's right. I think it's, I thought it was two days of singles. I'll have to double check that. No, there's doubles. It's one day of singles. It's one round. It's only one. I thought, okay. I, well, I'm going to look right now because yeah. now you have me confused. But there is a doubles because I know me and Lucas are playing. Uh, and then I'll play. I'll oh, be, maybe I'm thinking of the Echo Valley Open in uh, June, the B tier. That's two days. Huh? They have the grand opening Memorial Day weekend. And then I think it's in June they have the Echo Valley Open. Which is the B tier. Hold on. Either way, I'm playing the grand opening weekend. Echo Valley Open C tier is the 29th. Yep. Oh, yeah. The, and then the buy-off's the 30th. Okay. And you're saying there's nothing else? Uh, July 24th, 25th, there's the Echo Valley Open. I don't see that on disc golf scene. I'm not happy about it. Hold on. Um, let me load more tournaments. Okay. Oh yeah, the Echo Valley Open. Okay. Yep. So I'll be playing that. Echo Valley is another great course. Am I in that? I don't know. Well, I'm about to look because if not, I gotta sign up right now. No. But after. Oh wait, when is that? The twenty. July twenty fourth, twenty fifth. Oh yeah, I'm actually gonna register that right now. But after Memorial Day with the grand opening weekend for Echo Valley, I don't think I have another tournament until July in my A tier in Grand Rapids. So I'm pretty excited for that. Get to play a turn a, a full weekend tournament and then hang out with my daughter for a whole week. Um, that'll be fun. I really enjoy that time. Last night was league. Yeah, how's that going? I wanted to come out. Did it rain? We actually got rain for about 10 minutes, and then after that it was clear skies for – the rest of the round. Um, I only had 15 people show up. I'm a little bummed about that, but I'm not complaining. 15's good for a Friday night, I think. For a singles league, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's one of two singles leagues in Dayton, I think. 
So that's that's one of the things I wish there was more of. Mm-hmm. I know everything's doubles, but I wish there was more single stuff. I should be there to win it next week. Anybody hit the ace fun? Nope. Not yet. So if you are listening to this and you're in Dayton, come out next Friday. What is it? Ace Fund is just gonna is just under five hundred. <laughs> but you won't see me post it on Facebook because I don't wanna bring out of towners in. I don't want people coming out just to snipe the ace fund. It's right. not fair to those that come out every week and, and then pay into it. Alright, I'm signed up for the uh B tier. There you go. I didn't even know that was open. Yeah. I'm surprised I'm able to get in right now, but I was. So. It's still early enough for registration, though. So Not really, man. The way the registration's been going lately, 10 minutes, and it's especially for like a B tier. Yeah, good point. Usually everything's booked up. I, I didn't even know about it. So I'm playing in the C tier and now B tier. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, league's going pretty good. I'm, I'm getting good turnouts. Um, I'm still, for some reason, shooting terrible. Who I don't know why. Who won this week? Uh, I think it was Cyrus Furman. Oh. Cyrus and Buddy has come out. Oh, yeah. Well, that was nice. Hey, I don't mind. He's he, good. Yeah, he is good. But, yeah, I, I did terrible. I think I was like 15 over par. I, I, for some reason, I struggle at Germantown. I don't know why. I don't know if I play it so much that I want to take stupid risks. I don't know what it is, but... I'm just, I don't do well my own course. 15 over? Okay, so actually it was Mitch Kessler won at two down. Cyrus, Derek Schneider, and Josh Kettlehike all tied one down for second. That was it? Yep. Two down? Two down, won it. It's crazy. Mitch played I shot well. plus Mitch, 11. Mitch has been playing well. So he played really well down at, uh, what was the last big event? The BG? Yeah, Bowling Green. Is that what Diller won? Didn't Jesse Diller win I that? Think, was that I another think so. One? But Mitch played well and advanced. Good. Yeah, no, he was uh, – I, I just uh, – I remember that. I wasn't well, – I think – I'm pretty sure it was Bowling Green. It was a big game event that everybody went down. Yeah. And I think Jesse Diller Yeah, because Bowling Green is usually, usually the weekend before uh, DDO. That makes sense. formerly known as GBO, Glass Blown Open. Um, yeah, so we had Dayton represented down there for sure. We usually do have a good crowd that goes down there. Yeah, so now it's open. It's the Bowling Green open. Okay. Yeah, because they changed it from AMS to mm-hmm. pros. Christine Jennings went down there and a couple other pros. Um, did you catch any of the DDO this this past weekend? Uh, Yeah, no, I watched a little bit of it. It went bad. So I thought it was third round was – or final round, I mean, and I was actually watched FPO. Uh, post coverage, it was actually quite a good battle for the most part between Katrina Allen and Haley King, and I don't know what happened with Katrina, but it's like she started to fall apart in the last four or five holes, and Haley took about a five or six stroke lead and ended up winning it. So Haley King now leading the FPO field for DGPT. Um, Paul McBeth got his first win of the year. Yeah, he, he said he played pretty solid for. He said, "I'm not there to make friends. I'm here to play golf." I told you he's gonna get mad. So like, I forget I had this conversation with somebody or was on Facebook about is Paul McBeth done? I said, "No, he's got a lot going on, but he's gonna get mad and he's gonna start winning again." Yeah, you mentioned and, it a couple episodes back, and that's that's pretty much what happened because 
He's done. You know, he's he's tired of losing. He's tired of hearing about how good Ricky is, and he's like, "All right, I'm all right. We're done." I still think it's Ricky's year. Um, I think just overall consistency, Ricky's playing, you know, top notch right now. Well, yeah, I mean, he's leading at Goat Hill, so the Goat the challenge at Goat Hill, which is out in California, it's on a golf course. He uh, he's twenty five right now, so. I think he shot minus 13, minus 12, which is pretty good. The big surprise out there, though, is Brody Smith was leading, tied with Ricky after round one. That's cool. Yeah, he was leading in the clubhouse, tied with Ricky after round one, and he's third right now. He's 20 under. He's five shots back from Ricky. Now, he's not going to overtake Ricky. But what Brody's goal is that he said is he's trying to get a U.S. DGC spot. Okay. And so as long as he doesn't tank tomorrow, he should get that spot. So, so if you're not familiar with Brody Smith, he came from Ultimate Disc Golf. Frisbee. Or Ultimate Frisbee. Ultimate Frisbee. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, he came from Ultimate Frisbee background. Um, I guess he got his disc golf started because of Paul, maybe Paul McBeth. Uh, those two are pretty good friends. Well, so they, well, him and so Paul and Simon filmed a trick shot video with Brody in a trampoline park, and then also filmed like a they went out and played somewhere, and then those, so from that that all kind of stemmed from that. Okay. Yeah, so that's how that all kind of started. Um. So they filmed like a trick shot video where they were throwing disc golf, but he was throwing a frisbee, obviously. And then um, they went out and played. I want to say they played eighteen holes, and it was like Brody trying to figure out how to throw these discs, and you know what I mean, and like him and Paul and Simon talking, and then from that Brody decides, you know, I, I think he may have had some inkling to play before, but definitely from that, then he started doing more stuff with Paul and then decided he's going to go play disc golf. Like, make that jump because he's one of the best in the world and one of the best teams in the world for ultimate. Right. But like, he, you know, the order you get, you can't, you can't do that anymore. So, his knees are bad so he still wants to be competitive. So, this was kind of an outlet. And having your best friend being the best player in the world True. kind of helps. So, that's how that all got started. So this is his second year playing. He only played in a couple of tournaments last year. But I mean the guy makes money off of YouTube, so he does nothing but play disc golf every day. So Right. Like he you know, he you know, when he first started he was throwing a thousand putts a day to get his putting down. You know, like that's what he did. So right. from twenty five feet he had a stack of whatever from Discraft sent him and he sat from twenty feet just to get a stroke down. You know. So he's got that commitment, so I mean, obviously, he's going to be good. So, so I, I did notice during Caesars Ford, the tournament, that I was doing more straddle putts. And I just felt really confident with that. And it's something I've always struggled with. Uh, but I've had to do a lot more straddle putts at Germantown. With, you know, getting stuck behind trees, having to putt out, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, to where I, if I'm within the circle, I'm probably going to do a straddle putt now. Which... It's kind of ironic because I've never liked straddle putts just because of lack of consistency. But being forced to do them so much, I've, I've figured out consistency. 
So that's one one good thing about my game that I can take away from that tournament. Yeah, no, I mean that's uh, you know that's kind of the key is to figure out. I mean different things, but I mean I I guess the biggest thing is that I don't do it, but you have to be consistent. Yep. You know, like you have to have a yeah, it's a good putt. I mean that's I don't know I don't ever do it not yet. Like I haven't got that mindset yet. When I you know when I played ball golf, I didn't even do it a lot. I go out and hit drives. You know, and I go hit balls, but I'd never spend the time on the putting green that I need to. So there was a lot of holes that I would drive or, but I mean, that's just kind of, and it's the same in disc golf. Yeah. You have to put in that time and consistency to, to do the little things. If you can, you don't have to throw 500 feet if you can putt from six, from 50 and be consistent. You know what I mean? For sure. So, I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of the key with all that. So I don't know if you saw on our Facebook page, and I shared it to the Southwest page also, but I, I posed this question. Who's your favorite post-production commentator and why? I did see this. I posted that for me after listening to Central Coast with Sarah Hocum as the co-host for it. Um, just the way she presented herself, um, talking about the shots, talking about the holes, and really cheering on her competitors kind of gave me a new respect for her. And I think because of that, she's probably one of my favorite um, commentators, even though I've, I think I've heard her do post-production two or three times. Um, but just to see that sportsmanship out of her and cheering on her competitors, even though know, it's post-production and it's already happened and you know, the score's already in, just I think speaks volumes for her as a player and as a competitor. Right, and I, and I agree with that. To a point. So, so that's, that shows a lot of like what disc golf is. But I think if we're going to the next level, you got to have that person who will critique and be like, instead of, so for me, and this is, so if you look at golf, but here's the struggle with these post-production. So here's the struggle we have now with commentators, right? Mm-hmm. So in ball golf, you have guys that are just sports anchors, been around the game, but they're not professionals. There's a couple. But they were good enough to, to be able to critique somebody and be like, that was that was not a good shot. You know, it's not. So, so where we are now at disc golf, so you got guys like Nate and all those guys, and, and they're like, oh, I can't believe that happened. And I can't. You know, they get the, oh, where really it's like, you know, I, that's just a bad putt. Yeah. You know, like that was terrible for, you know what I mean? Not saying not to be mean to somebody, but be like, you know, like if you hit a tree off to the left, it's because you grip locked it. Well, that's well, just it's bad like they over dramatize. Well, no, over- but the, they don't want to be too critical because those guys are all traveling together. So, so the disc golf pro tour right now is, is like a family. We get to see it happen. But they're all, I mean, unless you get to like Paul's level and some of those guys, they're all struggling to, to do what they love. Right. You know, like nobody's living great except for, you know, when you get to a certain level, there's a handful of people like Paul's driving a McLaren to the Virginia. Court. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. So the rest of them are like, you know, they're all camping out. They're all, everybody stays in RVs or vans or whatever they got. Well, they're all at these parks for a week because they get there on Monday or Tuesday to do practice rounds where you're seeing all these people. So if you're in this post-production, you're just letting somebody have it about how their their form is terrible or, you know, that, hey, this 
their form and their putt's not very good. It's not going to be very good. You kind of don't want to do that because they're all friends. Right. Right? So, but there's nobody really right now in the disc golf world. Like, even if you look at if you look at Nate Dawes, he's out of the game for the most part, but he's still not. Like, he, a lot of these kids grew up yeah, playing with him and were super young. And So, until they get somebody that can, you know, kind of rep it will be like, ah, you know, it's just not a very good, that's just not a good throw. Like, or, or to challenge somebody, like, why would you throw forehand right there when the backhand turnover line is a much better shot? Like, so we're not getting that yet. So I think once that happens, then I think the coverage will get a little better. Nate, you know, like I've seen, so Nate, Yuli, I think a lot of people like Yuli because he's funny. You know, he's not afraid to make, you'd be like, oh my God, why are you doing that? Because he's, he's he'll do that to himself, you know. Uh, I think right now, you know, somebody said, Billy Page said, Nate Saxon is the only one who provides hole-and-shot details I want to hear. I could kind of agree. Nate, I think I think Nate Sexton, once he's done, will will fill that role. Right. I think if you can have him on live coverage, like he is, he's very good behind a microphone. He's very good at being detailed of why, who, what, where, when, and why, if a disc does what. Um, the first crew, the first, uh, the first comment, Philo. Yeah. I'm telling you, you listen to Philo, like, so I like to listen to Philo, A, not because we had him on the podcast, but he critiques stuff toward golf. Like, he is all about, like, ball golf and disc golf. Kind of, be, He'll be like, man, that's a great – you know, somebody makes a great throw, he'll say, man, that's a great swing he did. You know, like, it, it, there's little things that Philo does that makes it interesting. He'll be like, you know, he's he, he takes the arm throw as a swing instead of a throw. Like, man, that's right. a great swing. You know, he put a great time swing on there. Like – and, and so for me, that's you know that's pretty good. Um, I don't think I've heard Sarah do commentary, so I'll have to listen to her. Yeah, I've only heard her on a few uh, post productions. I think it's mainly Central Coast, and I think Smashbox had her a couple times. Yeah, um, but I think you know for post production, I, I think you just want people to just talk about it, like. You know, with Joe Mess, I think for the live coverage, if you want to make it mainstream, you need to have somebody on there that's not afraid to critique or not afraid to call out someone for throwing a bad shot. Right. Like, I'm looking through some of the comments on the Southwest Ohio page. Uh, Mike, now Nate Doss, because he's my favorite disc golfer. Well, that makes sense. Nate Doss is terrible. Because Mike now is old anyway, so. Nate Doss is terrible at live coverage. Like, I cannot. Like, I, I'm not, I don't know Nate Doss. I don't know anything about him. Like, I'm a year or something in. I'm not a big fan of Nate Doss and whoever the other guy is on the Disco Pro Tour. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, Nate Doss is, I don't like their coverage. Most of the comments from the Southwest page are Philo. Just yeah, no, Philo's good. Things and, and, um, Bobby Tewksbury, I think I'm sure I screwed that up. Um, he said, because it sounds like Norm McDonald is commentating. I don't know who Norm McDonald is. I he's a, a golfer. No, he's a comedian. Oh, I, I have no clue who he is, so I don't know. I can't I compare the two. I'm just reading some of the comments on here. Um, Jesse Diller said, Sexton and Ian from Central Coast. No, Ian's good. Um, Ian is good. Central Coast are like some of them older guys, Sias and those guys. Those guys are pretty good. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I, I love Jomez coverage. Don't get me wrong, um, but personally, I think Yuli Berry could talk a little less. Um, his humor, to, just to me personally, his humor gets old real quick. I love, I love his whole breakdowns. I really do. He does a great job, in my opinion, of discussing the hole and the shots to throw, um, how you want to play the hole. But it's like he, he gets on a joke and just kind of repeats that joke. Yeah, he's pretty well, dry. You have like, to like dry humor to like Uliberry. Right. I, I love uh, Big Germ and Nate Sexton Sexy or Big Sexy Commentary. Those guys, I think, are great. Um, Nate has professionalism about him, where Germ has the, the silly side. Um, I think it's just a great combo. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I think if you're going to do live, I mean, and it, and it doesn't lend itself because obviously Nate and Germ still play. So for like live covers for the Disc Golf Pro Tour, you're kind of in a rock and a hard place. But I don't think Nate Doss is your answer. I don't right. know. I, I just they're not. In, so here's the here's the issue with with live commentary because we don't have the cutaways. Now we're starting to get there a little bit, going to Chase Card and going to the women's field. So it's kind of nice. So you know, like the first couple ones, you're watching those guys walk up. Well, you have to have two people that are interesting and can talk and be interesting about what's going on all the way up through. It's nothing against those two. They're just not there. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they just don't have the, the, the ability to fill. Um, where, like, Nate did, when he was out, he did coverage for something. And then for DDO, Big Germ was on the coverage because he was on the wait list and didn't get in. And he could talk about some things. So it was a little bit more appeasing to listen to, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think the guys that do golf commentary, that's what they do. They're not all former players. Like, they'll have, like, Nick Faldo on there. Sir Nick Faldo. But he's not the main guy. He's the color guy. You know, you have all these other guys calling, and then you have other people talking. They can fill in time. Like, it's, you know, it's it's good. It's professional. Yeah, disc golf's probably not there yet, but I think we need to start lending ourselves to be there at that level. If you wanted to get it on ESPN, you better have some, you know, and like what happened on ESPN when they did the coverage. Nate Dawson and them did the live coverage for the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship. Yep. You know who did the post-production. Who was it? It was German Nate. Okay. They did the ESPN. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nate did the, well, I know at least Nate, maybe German was on there, but Nate did the ESPN. No, it was both of them. They did the ESPN coverage. They didn't do the live coverage. They did the ESPN coverage. That's who they put on there. Okay. So that was, you know. So, I think those it's are your a step two. In the right direction. I think those are your two, but they're, you know, are you going to pay him enough to just go do commentary? Right. Or or someone like Philo, are you going to pay Philo enough to just do commentary? I would love to have more commentary on Philo, honestly. He's done a lot of stuff. I mean, he does it, he he does gatekeeper a lot. He does Central Coast. Okay. You know, since not Disco Pro Tour, so like Disco Pro Tour, like yeah, he did the live event. I want to say he did the live with Jeremy DDO. Pretty sure he was on there. He just did a live one sometime. Yeah, no, it was DDO because he talked about doing that. He was. He didn't play, but he did the live coverage. Okay. Um, I think he's doing Goat Hill too. He's doing a lot of post production. He's playing a Goat Hill. Oh, cool. So, but he does a lot of post production for people. I was able to catch a little bit of live coverage last year um, in the fall at later events because of you know COVID. Um, and one thing I thought was interesting was Hannah Macbeth was on there doing some live stuff 
as they were like walking the holes and stuff. She was talking about stuff. And is she a commentator? No. Is she an analyst? Not really. But I thought it was interesting to have her her thoughts and her views about shot selections or the whole in general. Just kind of nice to have that little bit of filler. Yeah, they'll have Terry on there too, the disc golf guy. Yeah. A little bit. But it's like, it's so different as far as, it's a different sport. Like, you know, they'll talk about some different things, but there's not a, like, there's not a lot of that filler stuff that happens. You know, there's not coach commentary or anything. You know, right. they're like, well, they did, you know. But they could open it up because you could have more access to players. I mean, realistically, like, you yeah. know, like regular golf or it's, you know, those guys are talking and you can hear them. So there's, there's different things they can do for sure. Just a quick kind of to throw this out there. In the short future, we will be releasing um, a very small merch line. Um, working with Boom Clothing right now to get some hats made. So uh, I'll be having those on Facebook. If you guys are interested, hit us up. And if you made it this far in the episode, thanks. I know it's kind of a dry episode. But tune in for the next one. Hoping to either have Brian Crabtree with us. But yeah. We hope you have a great week and we'll keep you posted on when the merch line comes out.